From one non-conference game to the next, the Robert Morris football team continues the trek through its non-conference slate. As they turn from the East Tennessee State game this past weekend, now they set their eyes on Delaware State on the road. Welcome into another episode of the Bobby Moe Football Show here on the Colonial Sports Network. I'm Nathan Bryson and alongside me, as always, is the football insider, as some of you might know, seen him on the sideline for the ESPN broadcast this past weekend against East Tennessee State, Ethan Morrison. Ethan, you were there on the sideline. We'll, we're going to get right into it. Um, the Colonials against East Tennessee State, they continue their non-conference slate. They're 0-3 through their first three games. Take me just, you know, real quick through your first reaction and opinions through the East Tennessee State game. It was it was it was ugly to to put it lightly. It was it was a very, very ugly game. Uh for Robert Morris in that one, just couldn't move the ball on the offensive side. Yes, Chiggett was out, uh still nursing that injury, but just very ugly. Couldn't move the ball. We talked about the run game in the pre-game show, Nate. I know we talked about that at nauseum. There, nothing going on there. Pulled Jake Simmons at the end of the second quarter, at the end of the first half, putting Corbin LaFrance in the second half. And once again, we just talked about they're not showing the consistency that they need to compete in games. Obviously, East Tennessee State is still a very good opponent, even though they're... What what they were what they did in early in the earlier parts of the season, dropping some games early on, but they're still not a team to take lightly, and they just you know stepped all over Robert Morris in that matchup. Yeah, and and as you mentioned, um, Eastern East Tennessee State, a team that made the FCS semifinals last year in the playoffs, a team that was ranked coming into this year, um, they're a team that everyone knew the Colonials would probably have their their struggles with their bouts with them, but you know. Being shut out basically until the 13-13 mark of the fourth quarter. I mean, their only points coming off a field goal. It's just, it, it it's just a little inexcusable. I mean, for the Colonials. I mean, I know you know it's a tough team that they're against, but even with the fact that we understand, you know, you understand that, you know, your starting your 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 main starting quarterback that you that Bernard Clark wanted to start the season has continued to you know struggle, and now he's he's battling an injury and check it. Jake Simmons comes in a JUCO transfer the past few games. He also hasn't really hasn't really lit the lamp either. And now you have Corbin LaFrance coming in. He was seven for twelve, but only for sixty six yards. Had an inter- interception. He was sacked four times. So obviously, you know something that Clark preached and at least helping the run game going was their offensive line needs to get better. And obviously, especially when LaFrance came in, I mean his first action this season for the Colonials, and he sacked four times. And those sacks were were brutal. There was one where he got blindsided, lost the ball, turned the ball over. A couple of, I think, two of the four sacks when he got hit, he lost control of the football. So they were pretty heavy hits. They were from the blind side, the ones that he did get hit pretty hard on. But yeah, like we talked to Bernard Clark earlier in the week heading into that game and he said we're going to make some changes on the offensive line in terms of shifting some guys around and that just didn't pan out for him so I don't know what it's going to take to get this offensive line to buy in so that there can be running some some you know lanes to run in because they they were just stuffed all day on Saturday I mean when you just look at the with what they were able to do or lack thereof or lack of what they were able to do 
Eliza Jackson, Eliza, Elijah Jackson, just 20 yards on the day. I, I think they even went into the half with negative rushing yards on the game. Just weren't, weren't able to get anything going on. And, yeah, I mean, in the game, they had zero rushing yards. Obviously, you know, the loss of yards came. A lot of those chunks of losses of yards came from Corbin LaFrance. But they, they, they just need to have some positive rushing yards. Um there, I mean, you can also look at the defense as well. They also didn't play very well. They got some guys coming off of injuries, like Garrett Fairman returning to that defense, to that linebacker court, but they were non-existent. They weren't able to stop the run at all. Gave up a net of 300 yards rushing on the ground and gave up 150 yard, 154 yards through the air. But they just weren't able to stop Jacob Sailors at all. And Jacob Sailors, respect to him, he's a very talented running back. Broke two East Tennessee State records or etched his name into the record book for East Tennessee State for rushing over 3,000 yards. And he also became the third highest rusher in East Tennessee State history in that game on Saturday. So props to him for putting up a big game. 173 net yards and three touchdowns. But when you're giving up... You know, when you're giving up 173 yards to one running back, it's just a recipe for disaster for this Robert Morris team, and they just weren't able to get anything going on either side of the ball. Yeah, and, you know, another thing that was very noticeable to me is for the second straight weeks, no sacks recorded by the Robert Morris defense. For the that, second straight yeah. week, they they let, you know, two weeks ago against Miami, Ohio, they let Avion Smith do they let they made him comfortable back there in the pocket and they did the same for Tyler Riddle so that's two straight games they're not recording a sack and it's something obviously like you said it's going to be a recipe for disaster when you can't get to a quarterback you can't stop the run game you let a running back go for 173 yards and then you also let a couple of other rushers rush for over you know 20 plus yards as well for the Buccaneers and when on the flip side the Colonials can't even get their own running game going. So, obviously, we, we mentioned East Tennessee State, a good team. But coming up soon, Big South play is going to start. Um, obviously, they have a game potentially to get right in Delaware State. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. But, you know, this season's coming at them quickly. Obviously, three really tough non-conference opponents. I mean, all of them are pretty good teams. And they help. I mean, and I think what's really, you know, you know, I think bugging us is the fact that they played against Dayton pretty well, especially their defense played pretty solid. And now yeah. they went into Miami, Ohio, and East Tennessee State, better teams than Dayton, but their defense is just not as kind of unraveled. I know, you know, against East Tennessee State, they had two interceptions, but that was also to the backup quarterback after Tyler Riddle was mm-hmm. pulled from the game. Yeah, and when, when you really think about it, they didn't play that terribly against Miami of Ohio on the defensive side compared to this game. Like, they didn't play, you know, god-awful against them. They, they they allowed 31 points, but it wasn't like they were completely out of sorts. They obviously still struggled with the same things that happened in this game where they weren't able to get pressure on the quarterback, weren't able to get any sacks. But they didn't play terribly there, but they just looked all out of sorts. It was a different, it was a different feeling, I think, for them in this game where they just got ran all over 
and the offense had their way in and out. And that's, I mean, they gave up 45 points in that game, which is a season high. And they just looked all out of sorts there. So, like you said, Nate, Big South play is coming up and quickly approaching. Obviously, they have a couple more non-conference games sprinkled in between there, but they got to figure out some stuff fast. They got this game against Delaware State, and then they're back home against Gardner-Webb to open up Big South Conference play. And Gardner-Webb's no spring chicken when they when they go to face them. So they're, they're going to have to figure out some things fast and on the fly and once again find that consistency or else they're going to be in for a long, long Big South play um, in these last two months of the season. And I know, obviously, the quarterback change, that's obviously been affecting the Colonials and the injuries and just the quarterback play in general. But you would thought maybe after a pretty solid year last year, I know they were below 500, but at 4-6, and six, they still had a pretty strong year last year and also on home turf. You know, thought maybe they would... Obviously, we're only seeing them through three games, three non-conference games. Again, uttering the same sentiment we said before, pretty strong teams. But you thought maybe that we would see a little bit more toughness, a little bit more, you know, you know, being able to play these teams tougher and showing that next step under Bernard Clark. But then I want to go back to this game some more, just something else that stood out to me offensively for East Tennessee State. It's not like they were really – you know, showing a complete balance between pass and run. They only passed the ball 20 times. They only completed the completed 11 passes. So it wasn't like they were world beaters in the passing game. It all just came to, down to the run game. And it's not like, you know, Army really had to focus on both. I mean, it's basically was Jacob Sailors, and you knew that was going to be the case going into the game. Yeah, and they came out their first drive, and they did fairly well at st- being able to stop the run, but then they gave up that one penalty. They were able to force. They gave up one penalty on that drive, and but the drive, the drive for East Tennessee State stalled out. So, looking at that, you're like, I mean, yeah, maybe they can have a chance at, you know, staying in this game. But once again, the turnovers costed Robert Morris in this game. They had that block punt. And that just opened up everything for for East Tennessee State there. Um, and like you said, Jacob Sailors was just the wrecking crew there. He only had to play two quarters to get his yardage in. He needed 151 yards to break 3,000 yards, and he got that with ease in less than a quarter and a half. So he was just able to have, have, have a day against a – a defensive line that looked somewhat decent against Dayton and even Miami of Ohio to some extent. They still gave up 200 rushing yards there, but you didn't have that guy like that Joe Casal that would step up in a big way to to put an end and put a stop to the run game because they were just able to have their way all day. Yeah, and it's just, you know, you go through your first three games, obviously you're, you're going to hit a row bump. You know, at some point in the season, many teams do. But, you know, especially in your third game of the season, at home, too. I mean, it's a different story if it's on the road, but you're also at home. And last year they were 4-1 and at Joe Walton Stadium. So it's just a little bit surprising just the struggles we've seen in different facets of the games for the Colonials through the first three games. Yeah, and like, like I mean, you mentioned this before, Nate, earlier, but 
like they are tough teams that they're playing. And like, like we said, East Tennessee State came in ranked, nationally ranked coming into the year. So are we overreacting a bit? Maybe. But, I mean, there still should be progress that has been made throughout the start of the season. Like, we know they've lost, you know, some guys on that defensive that defensive front that they needed to be replaced. But there just hasn't been anyone to step up to the challenge. Like, obviously, Sidney Ottinger has stepped up in that secondary a, a little bit there and has made some plays. But for the most part, the defense has pretty much been stagnant. And for the guys that needed to step up and really show out and fill in some fill in some gaps that they're missing from last year's team, we just haven't seen that yet. And that's going to be the big deciding factor there. Besides the big question marks with the quarterback and the run game on the offense on the offensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, and you know you mentioned overreactions and. I know, like you said, yeah, we, we may be, you know, a little harsh on what we're seeing. But, again, Clark, you know, he's been here for several years. You, you know, maybe see this team start to turn the page, at least, you know, you know, compared to what we saw in the first, at least first game, continue that play through the next two games, at least play a little bit tougher, put some points on the board. But I don't think there's any overreaction. I don't think we're overreacting at all compared to when we're talking about the Robert Morris run game. You know, continually the fifth-year running back, Elijah Jackson, has continued to not show anything on the ground 20 yards against East Tennessee State you know and a couple guys had some rushing attempts below him not even getting to 20 yards so this running game there's a lot of work to be done oh yeah absolutely and that was a big question coming into this game is they need to have that consistent run game especially with Jake Simmons who hasn't gotten a start yet who has come off the bench in all of his games so far this year they needed to have a solid or at least a decent run game coming into this one they had the bye week to rest up recuperate get ready for this game against East Tennessee State and they just looked flat they looked flat out there to be frank and to not have that O-line because it wasn't just the run game that lacked there with the offensive line. It wasn't the run protection, but also, like you mentioned, the pass protection was not there either, especially in that second half. And that's like we mentioned, like I mentioned, it was the two sacks on LaFrance that were those fumbles that came out, the loose balls. Nothing was there for that offensive line on Saturday. Literally nothing was there to where you could say, Oh, they are piecing some things together. They just they just didn't look like they had anything going for them there on that on that on that front of the offense. And yeah, with the running game when you don't have an offensive line that can protect, yeah, may it, may it, could it be the vision of the running back? There I think it's going to fall on a little bit of both there cuz even when Jackson was out and you put in a bigger guy in purge, he couldn't even, you know, get up and bust through the line and bust up the middle for for a few for a few games like it's just been it's been tough to watch this run game especially with the experience that they have in the backfield like 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 you said Eliza Jackson being a fifth year and Anthony Purge being around for a couple of years you would think you would have some results from this run game especially at this point in the season 4 weeks in now in 3 games played yeah, lots of lots of things to work on and fix both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive side. And they have that opportunity coming up on Saturday. They travel to Delaware State, 
Alumni Stadium looking for their first win against the Hornets. It's their first matchup all time between these two squads. And the Colonials, obviously, they have a win on their minds to get into the win column, to end this losing streak to start the year. And taking on a Delaware State team that's 2-2 two and two with wins over Lincoln University and Virginia University of Lynchburg, and then two losses, number 10, Delaware was a, they lost 35 to 9 and lost their game last week against Merrimack 26-13 so a team that's even in record but it's a team that the Colonials could beat. Yeah, when you when you look at Delaware State's uh game so far, like you said Lincoln University, Pennsylvania and the University or or Virginia University of Lynchburg they're two teams that aren't Division One FCS opponents. They're they're lower, uh, lower classification classified opponents. So when you look at that, they they beat Lincoln University thirty four nothing, and then University of Lynchburg thirty five nineteen, and their losses. Obviously, you you mentioned the University of Delaware. That's uh, Delaware, and they're they're no you know laughing matter. They're national. They were nationally ranked at the time, and they they lost to Merrimack, who who's in the NEC now. And so this is a very winnable game, but there's still a lot of question marks on who will be coming in uh, to play on Saturday. Will we see Anthony Chickett back healthy and 100%? Will he be able to make take those next steps from what we saw out of him against Dayton, against Miami, Ohio, being smarter with the football and you know being able to run this offense or will we see once again Jake Simmons come in and try to figure things out um as as the backup but it, it's it's going it's it, it really is going to be interesting to see who's going to be named that starting quarterback on Saturday and to see what Chicket can do if he does end up starting once again because they just need to find some consistency there. And, you know, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest question for them is, are they going to get Chicket back? And it's going to be, the game's going to be decided off of who's going to be able to take care of the football better than the other team. Obviously, RMU, RMU last week, they had trouble ke- keeping, keeping, uh, keeping, can, keeping control of the football. And... That's what that's what really cost them in that in that game. And when when you look at Delaware State coming into this game, um, in terms of what they what they've been able to do um, on the season, they're they're a very they're a very um, they're a very clean team. They only they've only thrown you know one interception on the year. Obviously, they've had some different switches with. Um, with quarterbacks so far this year, which we'll get into in a little bit, but they play a very clean brand of football at the moment through their first four games, and Robert Morris just hasn't been able to do that, giving up multiple turnovers a game. Anthony Chickett, two interceptions, or, yeah, two interceptions against Miami of Ohio. He had that one big interception against Dayton last week. Jake Simmons threw, I believe, two interceptions as well. So they just got to keep control and keep a handle on that football if they want to have any shot to start off and play a clean brand of football. Focus on those fundamentals. Clark was not happy after that first game against Dayton about the fundamentals. They just need to 
play fundamentally sound to then have success and put some things together on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And we'll find out, you know, the answer on the starting quarterback situation within the next twenty or forty-eight hours, leading up to game time. And as you mentioned, for Delaware State, they're also dealing with their own quarterback situation. Retro freshman C.J. Henry was in for the start their last game versus Merrimack as their starting quarterback. Jared Lewis has missed the past, you know, has missed a couple quarters. Um, he's a junior, and so they're they have their own issues at quarterback as well. So, you know, we'll see who starts for Delaware State between Henry and Lewis. And you know, Henry threw for 132 yards in the game. He didn't throw a touchdown, nor did he throw an interception. So again, you mentioned that cleaner brand of football, and it's gonna, you know, obviously they didn't win the game, but it helped them potentially be in that game and you know potentially win the game in the end. I mean that. The opportunity, if you turn over the ball, you're just giving it, you know, you're asking to lose that game, obviously. Yeah, and when when we talk about, you know, not turning over the ball, like, yeah, obviously that's going to be a big question. Um, it's going to be a big factor in if you're going to win or lose the game, but especially for a team that does not have an identity yet uh, with their offense, with having to make so many switches, they're through three... They've used three different quarterbacks through their first three games of the season. When you don't have an identity on that side of the football in any in any facet, they're going to need to still play that clean brand of football so those things and that consistency will come you know, further down the line when they start to get those reps in with more consistent guys and start to figure things out with the run game. So they just need to play that clean style of football so that when they're in those situations to where, you know, either it's Chickett, Simmons, or LaFrance that may be in the game at this point, they'll they'll be able to, you know, come into that situation with closer in the game because they're not turning over the football. Yeah, and then, you know, continuing to discuss Delaware State, they have a handful of running backs that have seen action, four of them over 100 yards. Um, pardon me, three of three of them, I believe, over 100 yards. Several wide receivers with touchdowns on the year. And they're a team that's averaging 22 points a game, and they're, they're holding opponents to 20 points a game as well. So, obviously, they've, they've done good enough defensively to hold teams to, you know, a, a low amount. Obviously, they... You know, they struggled against Delaware, which is obviously a little bit of an outlier because that's a team that was nationally ranked, like you mentioned, like you mentioned, Ethan. So, but they've, they've outside that Delaware game, even in their loss against Merrimack, I mean, they've, they've performed quite well over their first, you know, three out of four games. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we mentioned that it, this is a winnable game for Robert Morris, but also Delaware State. Like you mentioned, they've played very well, even against even in those losses, like you mentioned. Um, so it, it is going to be a very, very good game to really key in on, and probably one of the the last games where you can really say at this point in the season that Robert Morris could have a chance of you know defeating a a non a non conference opponent because they've got. Murray State and App State further down the line uh, in terms of non-conference, and then obviously conference play, they 
the Big South is, I mean, has always been tough for Robert Morris, especially in their first two seasons. So those are always, you know, tough games to be in. Some of them can be toss-up games, but for this one, even on the road, this is the game where you think Robert Morris, if they're able to piece some things together, could find the win column. Yeah, and, you know, 2-2 two and two Delaware State, you know, big-time opportunity for the Colonials on the road as well. They struggled on the road last year, but we'll see how they fare against Delaware State in Dover, Delaware. And this has been another episode of the Bobby Moe Football Show. As always, on the Colonial Sports Network. For Ethan Morrison, I've been Nathan Breisinger. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.